Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Supermarcado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Thanks so much for joining us. Once again, this is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Uh, we took, um, as you may know, a one week off. Last week, we had another installment of Mercado Radio. Yes. Uh, but we're glad to be back. You know, we had to take a break because Carl um, was moving and I'm back at school. So we couldn't really find a time last week to record. Uh, but it's pretty exciting because we're recording the podcast remotely again, but we're both in completely new locations <laughs> i mean you're in the same city you were last time you're just in a different apartment right uh in, yeah in, i mean will goes to school duluth minnesota um i moved recently to a new house in minneapolis so we're still roughly in the same general areas that we were before but new rooms so it's going to have a new new vibe this season i think yeah absolutely we're going in a completely new direction it's just going to be a very um, boring and dull podcast this season <laughs> and we're very excited about that wait that's a new direction no i'm just kidding <laughs> So guys, we're really excited to present an episode on Ogre Battle. Now, this is uh, three games in this series. Now, the first game in the series came out for the Super Nintendo. It's called Ogre Battle, The March of the Black Queen. Now, really, the star of today's playlist is the third game we're going to be featuring, Ogre Battle 64. And that uh, is a soundtrack that we've been familiar with for a while. It's so good. I know a lot of you are really big fans of that soundtrack. Yeah, you guys can stop sending us your emails. <laughs> I know that every day we're getting a new email. Please do Ogre Battle. Please do Ogre. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I know that not everyone has been anxiously waiting this episode, but uh, this series has very good music, and we mm-hmm. featured a lot of it on the show in recent years. So it, it does feel fitting, you know, our first week back to spotlight on a series that we know pretty well and that um, we're quite comfortable with because, you know, yes. we're a little rusty. It's not often that we take a week off from this show. So we got to get back in we the swing of things. We have to have an things. easy episode to get back into this. So so led by Hitoshi Sakimoto, he's an awesome composer that a lot of you are familiar with. His work uh, for Final Fantasy Tactics, uh, so many good soundtracks he's done. Uh, he worked on all three of these games as well as Masahiro Awada. Uh, and Hayato Matsuo composed the the first game for the SNS as well as Ogre Battle 64. So all three of those musicians uh, were responsible for this entire series. So we're going to play seven tracks from the SNES title today, one track from the second title, which was for the PS1, which... Um, had some pretty good music, but actually some of the best music was uh, kind of reused in the third title, and that is our favorite. That's Ogre Battle 64. We'll be playing 10 tracks from that soundtrack today, so 18 total. What you heard up top was Overture from Ogre Battle for the SNES. Let's keep going here. So now we're going to play another track from the soundtrack. This is called Entrance Parade, once again from Ogre Battle, The March of the Black Queen. That's a very rousing piece of video game music. You guys are listening to Entrance Parade from Ogre Battle, The March of the Black Queen. And once again, this soundtrack was composed by Hitoshi Sakimoto, Masahara Awada, and Hayoto Matsuo. What a great introduction to the style of this series. Carl, I don't know about you, but uh, I was feeling a lot of uh, Star Fox vibes on yeah, this track. Both dude, um, exactly. Star Fox for the... Super Nintendo and a little bit of Star Fox 64, just some of that, uh, mm-hmm. I guess, brass writing, the little trumpet stabs, and just in general, the very rousing 
orchestral fanfare quality of this piece really reminds me of a lot of the music in Star Fox. We're definitely on the same wavelength because I had the exact same thought as I was listening to this. I think part of that has to do with there's not a lot of um, truly authentic orchestral soundtracks on the SNES. You know, I can think of a few offhand, something like Rudra no Hiho, the Final Fantasies are great. Uh, you know, Zelda, obviously. They're Act Razor. There's ones here and there, but uh, ones that really feel like they're capturing the orchestral spirit with all those kind of stops and starts in those Roboto moments where the tempo can fluctuate. Uh, I don't know. There's something really authentic about this soundtrack, and it really is, I think, one of the more impressive orchestral uh, contributions to the SNES library. What are your thoughts? Uh, let's just talk about this track. We're going to get into the sound of the soundtrack as we go, but what were some of the things that impressed you about uh, this orchestral music on the Super Nintendo? Well, um, I guess the use of the different timbres, uh, it, it didn't to me sound um, completely like a unified texture. Like sometimes mm-hmm. when you hear quasi uh, orchestral music on 16-bit, um, it's usually like one instrument or it just sort of, it sounds very much like it was done at the keyboard. But this has sure. very separate parts. You have that string sound doing that descending um, ostinato. Um, and then you also have the, uh, what I guess are supposed to sound like trumpets doing those little chord stabs and so mm-hmm. uh, the different instruments have different functions much like they would in a real orchestra exactly. where different families of uh, the orchestra are performing different function well that's kind of my point is not saying there's not a lot of good orchestral style music on the Super Nintendo because that's almost the biggest strength of that system but as far as how it's composed and how the individual parts are coming together in, a, in an authentic way um, even soundtracks that are kind of that quasi orchestral style a lot of them don't have this level of authenticity and Star Fox is one example of a soundtrack where it does have that and that's I think one of the reasons why this reminded both of us of that soundtrack. Well, to be fair though I mean the elephant in the room is that uh, oftentimes orchestras feature up to like 60 musicians or mm-hmm. more and uh, the Super Nintendo has like eight simultaneous sound channels so I mean it, it really isn't fair you can't completely yeah. accurately represent an orchestra but you can get a lot close of composers... I mean the thing is orchestra has so much doublings in kind of uh, you know octave so sometimes there might only be at the you know at the maximum of eight different lines going on at once so sometimes you know with eight voices it's crazy how full of a sound you can get on the Super Nintendo definitely well now we're going to move on to a really beautiful track called Old Man's Prayer let's take a listen much shorter piece of music than what we heard previously this is old man's prayer from ogre battle the march of the black queen uh, much more of a simple piece uh, much more sparse when you're talking about instrumentally there's there's only a couple different things going on at once kind of more of a chamber sound but really pretty well what do you think about this track well what i really like is it's an incredibly simple uh chord progression i guess if you want to think about it uh just that the arpeggiated chords done by that harp-like instrument and there's sort of a sparse pad in the background but it's sort of oscillating between these two chords but what I love is that the melody it, it, it's very sort of vibrant and dynamic. It, it has a lot of stops and starts where that arpeggiation is so constant, um, but that melody just has a lot of sustained pitches with quick little turns. And I think the thing that I so love about it is that it's accenting all these very interesting intervals. Mm-hmm. And relative to that r- simple chord progression, it's creating these very advanced harmonic moments just because the melody is choosing to land on notes that aren't sure. part of the chord and I think uh, that, uh, you hear stuff like that in a lot of video game music but I think this is a great example if I was trying to explain that concept to someone this would be a, the perfect piece to represent how a melody can um, sort of advance the harmonic structure yeah. and how we hear the chords that's a good point well what's nice about all three of these soundtracks really is we do have individual crediting so every now and then I'll let you guys know you know maybe who composed which particular track this next track is one of the standouts of the soundtrack it 
it was composed by Hitoshi Sakimoto. This track is called Thunder. Enjoy, guys. Wonderful melody there. That's Thunder from Ogre Battle, The March of the Black Queen. And this is a track that was composed by Hitoshi Sakimoto. Will, what are your thoughts on this track? So far, I think my favorite track of the day. Sure, yeah. Uh, I, I really like the um, little melodic motif of da ba da ba da ba. Uh, yeah. uses that in many points of the melody. Uh, it, it sort of functions as this little ornament um, that has a a very kind of classic rousing sound to it. It sounds like a very orchestral technique, you know? It sounds like it wouldn't be the type of melody that you would imagine being sung by a choir or in a song, you know? It's a sure. it's it's a type of ornament that feels exclusive to orchestral music. So I, I, I think it's really nice that uh, Sakamoto was really trying to legitimize his orchestral writing in that way. In Absolutely. general, I... I really like the spirit of uh, this piece, and again, I'm just—I can't help but be feeling a lot of uh, Star Fox uh, similarities. <laughs> I, yeah, I think was, a lot of it is the instruments, probably. Yeah, there was this particular doubling. Did you notice that where it was like some bell instrument that was doubling a string, and it really felt like Star Fox to me? Did you notice that moment? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I—I'm I, not quite sure what you're talking about. But there was just one. There was one particular doubling, and maybe it wasn't a bell, but it was kind of that combination of orchestral and a little bit of synth. Something right. about it, and that kind of evoked Star Fox. That's what's yeah. cool about the Super Nintendos, because even though it samples, the, the way line that, gets blurred. Yeah, the way that um, it sort of synthesizes the pitch up and down does start to sound uh, more like a chip-based sure. console, which is where you get that that great mix. I think also why this reminds me of Star Fox is it has that sort of Mixolydian mode quality to it that makes it uh, feel very modal, old school, and it, it just, again, is something that I associate with rousing orchestral music. Absolutely. Um, particularly whenever the Mixolydian mode is featured in video game music, it's often in that kind of orchestral or quasi-orchestral context. Absolutely. Very good point. Well, well now we're going to move on to a track that was composed by the talented Hey. Auto Matsuo. This is again one of my favorites. I think we played this in our Sand episode quite a while back. This is Sandstorm from Ogre Battle. This section here is just gorgeous. This might be my personal favorite track from the first Ogre Battle game. And I gotta say, um, since I have the specific crediting here, 
Hayato Matsuo composed some of the most beautiful music in this series. This soundtrack is an interesting example because he definitely composed like a small number of tracks, but the tracks that he did compose are just winners. Will, I know that you really were moved by this track. What is it? What's so special about this track in the context of what we've heard so far? Yeah, I, I think sort of the sophisticated form of it, I guess I'll say the fact that it has that really abrupt sort of tempo change and mood change, really, but the fact that it retains those bits of the melody and it's sort of using it as a reoccurring theme, which I love because hearing a melody in a, in a second or third context can often make us appreciate its specific quality because I think when we're, you know, we're just listening to music in the back background or we're first listening to a piece of the music it's it's really hard to appreciate individual elements you know because sure. we're experiencing the whole thing all at once but in something like this where the context drastically changed and the mood is so different because we're getting different chords uh different tempo different rhythmic elements uh but to hear that melody it, it gives us a sense of familiarity that allows us to grasp uh things that are new and oh, that's a great in general point, I, I was so impressed with the um, evocative orchestral writing well, also, one thing I was an, a fan of is that this piece went to directions and, and went to lengths that it didn't necessarily have to for SNES music sure uh, and in sometimes yeah. it's fun to not know the context because all you're doing is listening to the music and this holds up as a piece of orchestral music on its own which makes it right. doubly impressive that it has to uh, you know fit the context in the game too you know because that's something well, I that think one of the reasons a lot of game composers don't tend to take these sort of chances on a piece of music is the practicality of needing it to loop you know it's very difficult to have a piece go in multiple different directions and have tempo changes or meter changes and then get back to the starting point and sort of loop the whole thing that's incredibly difficult feat to not make it jarring and often the composer's mm -hmm. responsibility is to mask the loop to make it feel sort of endless but uh, I gotta say this composer really pulled it off he, he was sort of able to have the best of both worlds and having sort of a complicated form and a relatively nice loop and just I don't know some of those orchestral elements do feel really advanced I can't recall oh, hearing so you know amazing. a tubular bell <laughs> in a <laughs> Super Nintendo game with it's um, crazy such authenticity well, yeah we're gonna keep going here we have two more tracks to play from this first soundtrack really so far music is so solid I'm so glad we uh, dedicated this uh, an episode to the series because I'm having a great time so far and this is all orchestral today too so there's not like don't worry there's not gonna be some rocking boss track or anything it's all fully orchestral style music Yeah, we know you guys hate that <laughs> stuff every time we play rock music no 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 all right now we're gonna move on to a beautiful track called go go March from ogre battle use of the flat six and flat seven this is video game orchestral music it's a little bit more catchy uh, a little bit more immediate than most kind of film music you would hear most classical music so uh, there's something about it that is a little bit more kind of easy to digest for people of sure. all ages of all kind of interests i think a lot of people are going to definitely be motivated by this track and i think there's a lot of people that will enjoy it especially in the use of the game this is go go march yeah, I really love this one. I mean, that's my favorite kind of orchestral music, right? Yeah. I mean, I think the orchestra is such a dynamic musical medium in and of mm -hmm. itself. And my favorite music is, much like a lot of great video game music, very catchy, very memorable. And I, I think there's something, a really powerful combination about catchy orchestral music because mm -hmm. it's able it's able to really be appealing and sort of gregarious. But at the same time, you know, it's completely instrumental. There's no sort of uh, super 
artificial modernistic polish that we're gravitating to. It's purely, you know, the it's just catchy. The, I guess the it, grand scope of it, but really the you know the chords, the melodies, all that stuff that really speaks to us. Well, I think one thing that's so cool is that we get to play so many genres of music on our podcast because most podcasts are very kind of niche or are about one specific thing, whether it's you know uh, a comedy podcast or whether it's you know talking about a, t- a particular TV show. For us, it's video game music, but that's what's so great about that is that we get to talk well, about... Well, I think the folks from the Ogre Battle podcast would be <laughs> insulted by that. Yeah, no, but what I was saying is what's so cool about video game music is we get to talk about orchestral music, we get to talk about funk, we get to talk about hip-hop, we get to talk about everything in between, and it's all kind of related to each other because this is just as catchy as something that's like, you know, maybe ragtime or, or rock. Like, it's catchy music, and that's most of the music we play in the podcast is very catchy. Well, maybe not as catchy as ragtime. I mean, ragtime's yeah. pretty awesome. Pretty dang catchy. I know you're a little biased because that's one of your favorite kinds of music. Uh, cool. Now we're going to move on to the last track of this soundtrack. This is a beautiful kind of the ending of the game. It's finale. Let's take a listen. This is a beautiful piece of music. You guys listening to the finale from Ogre Battle, The March of the Black Queen, and this was another particular track that was composed by Hitoshi Sakimoto. He did a wonderful job. I think this melody, particularly in this in this uh, kind of B section here, is very beautiful. It reminds me of some 80s John Williams music. Um, I don't think he quite reigns it in as much as someone like John Williams would. I think there's a little bit of kind of wandering and jumping around, uh, something that you wouldn't hear in John's music, but it's definitely kind of a evoking similar emotions and going into a similar territory uh, that a lot of that music does. I just think it's well, I think very effective. So much of that is really the modal qualities of this entire soundtrack. We talk a lot about the Dorian mode, which yeah. we've explained you know, before on the podcast, has that sort of medieval quality, but so much great orchestral music uses a breadth of the modes, and this soundtrack is no exception. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of this piece uses the Lydian mode, and I talked before about the Mixolydian mode, so I, I think it's cool that uh, whether that was intentional, whether these composers sat down to really think about writing modal music, or if they just sort of were thinking of, you know, borrowed chords, or sure. really being inspired by, like you said, sort of film music or other video game music, but I think that is an interesting effect, because clearly the music of this game is really trying to have sort of a, I don't know, Dark Ages quality Absolutely. to it. I mean, yeah, even and the it, idea of mythical creatures sort of conjures that idea musically up in so your head. well. I mean, we hear that in movies, in TV shows, and in games. And there's that same kind of linkage that so many composers use. And if it works, you know, you're going to keep doing it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And really, the easiest way to describe a mode for someone who, who may not know, who's maybe not a musician, you could think of it as like a scale. It's a set of notes that you're using in your composition. And what's so great about having all these different modes is since we don't hear them as much, our ears are not necessarily expecting, uh, you know, the the Dorian mode, for example, or the Phrygian mode. So when you hear those notes, there is a certain level of surprise, especially for our kind of trained Western ears. What ends up happening is it's really cool. 
it sounds either like a major key or a minor key, and then we hear a chord that sounds outside of the key. But really, exactly. it, it can be also thought of as part of a scale. If you take, for instance, C major, because it's easy if you think about the piano, it's just the white notes, um, but you were to start a scale on one of the other scale degrees, so let's say uh, on D, then you would create um, from D to D, using the notes in the C major scale, you would create the Dorian mode, and you can just go up each scale degree. And what's um, crazy? Crazy about C major that can create a different mode. It's something about starting on D. It gives us that tone center to our ears. And guys, this is your homework. Go on a piano and try this. Start on D and play all the white notes all the way up to D again. And it has a completely different sound, uh, especially that six yeah, degree. The, if you it's start just... on G, then you get the Mixolydian mm -hmm. mode. I think E is Lydian. That might be fun. Will, I have an idea for a bonus episode. What if there's one bonus episode where we're just on the keyboard and we kind of explain some of those kind of modal things and some of those other techniques that we talk about a lot on the podcast that might be fun well because it, it it's, is related to the history of western music i mean before there was a major and minor scale a lot of these modes exist which is why they have a medieval sound to them and that's mm -hmm. why composers use them because they're trying to harken back to, to the ancient past. music yeah well now we're going to move on to the one soul track we're going to play uh, nothing against this soundtrack it's just um i really wanted to focus on the other two again a lot of this music was reused for ogre battle 64 and i think it sounded a little bit better in that game what's interesting you guys will hear is this sounds i swear it sounds like super nintendo but it's actually ps1 is the version we're going to be playing this but i can't even tell the difference at all now we know that sony uh was involved in the, the sound chip for the Super Nintendo, so very similar sounds here. This game is called Tactics Ogre, Let Us Cling Together, and this was composed by Hitoshi Sakimoto and Masaharu Awada. We're going to take a listen to a beautiful track called Reminiscence. That's a gorgeous track. You guys are listening to Reminiscence from Tactics Ogre. Let us cling together for the PS1. Oh, this is really moving. I don't know, something about hearing that use of Roboto on sample-based video game music is always so impressive. It feels like more impressive than it would be if you were to hear it with, you know, real humans. Partly is because, like, when you're hearing a human play music, you're expecting expression. You're expecting dynamics and all of those things that make a good performance. But you're not expecting that with wavetable, like, sample stuff, you know? Well, right. I, I really like that one keyboard instrument. I think it's supposed to sound like an electric piano, but it, it's hmm. some sort of synthesizer. I, that really has a nice effect. I, yeah. One of my favorite things about this piece is this section right here. I, mean, I think it's fitting. The harmony of it, it very much reminds me of a lot of choral music from the last it 20 really or 30 does. years. Um, and I think part of that has to do with uh, the parallel harmony. You have a lot of uh, moving chords that move in what are called parallel. So instead of having, you know, one voice move up and the other one move down to have what's called smooth voice leading, uh, a lot of composers um, in the last, you know, 50 years or so have really said, well, I forget all that. I'm just going to have these chords move up and down. And you can really get a lot of sort of density and complexity There's in the totally harmony. totally different sound. 
Yeah, there's yeah. just absolutely totally different sound. In general, I will say that this track feels inherently modern. It feels 20th century. It does not feel classical in the sense of Well, it uh, also has elements of jazz and jazz chords and jazz theory. Yeah, wonderful. Well, guys, I couldn't be more excited to finally move on to really the soundtrack of the day, what made us really want to do this episode. This is Ogre Battle 64, Person of Lordly Caliber. Once again, composed by the same three fine gentlemen that composed the original, Hitoshi Sakimoto, Masahara Awada, and Hayato Matsuo. We're going to start things off with a wonderful track by Sakimoto called Fortune Teller 2. That is so beautiful. And really, you know, going from the Super Nintendo and that PS1 soundtrack, this just, you know, on an auditory level, on a technical level, sounds so much more authentic and realistic. It really is some of the most realistic sample-based music on the N64. Uh, This is really one of the most impressive uses of that very limited technology. I think it sounds beautiful. The piece itself is just absolutely gentle and moving and just powerful. I mean, I love what he does with the melody. You get to hear it in that oboe. You get to hear it in the flute. You get to hear it in the strings. I, I think, mm-hmm. <laughs> obviously, whoever composed this was very proud of the yeah, this is very Sakimoto. crafted melody. But it's so gorgeous. To me, a lot of this music would fit right at home in the Zelda series. Um, just as far as some of the uh, jazz chord transitions and but also mm-hmm. that sort of classical the mix of a lot of great video game music where it sort of sounds classical but it's sure. using harmony that didn't exist in the 17 and 1800s yeah. and I don't know I just think just something that... about it that is so emotionally compelling well, and Well I engaging. think this track is the most powerful track so far I mean I do think Ogre Battle 64 has my by far my favorite music of the whole series and this is one of my favorites of this soundtrack so I don't know I'm just really excited to move on to this soundtrack we've played a decent amount of tracks from the soundtrack before but now we're going to play 10 we're going to really kind of dive in and we're going to be able to you know by the time we end this episode really have a good understanding of what is ogre battle music Uh, it really kind of differentiates itself from a lot of other orchestral video game music it ends up just sounding like wonderful orchestral music period so now we're going to move on to a cool track by uh this is a matsuo composition this is the world of today Thank you. 
Chris. You guys are listening to The World of Today from Ogre Battle 64. This is a Matsuo composition. And you're really starting to hear the advantage of all their additional channels they can have, you know, like really kind of fuller choral chords uh, mixed with really good sample stuff like that really big gong sound that would not be really possible on the Super Nintendo. So this is a good example today where you're starting to hear the technology and still, you know, really, especially today's standards, very limited technology on the N64. Coming from the Super Nintendo, though, it's really more advanced. A really common technique used by video game composers, particularly a lot of the Japanese composers, to sort of flesh out the chords and give them a little bit more crunch is Mm -hmm. if, let's say you have a a triad um, composed of three notes, and if we're thinking about it, a normal triad played in what's called root position, you would have them each a third apart. So let's say, let's choose C major, for instance. We have a C, an E, and a G, and they're all a third apart. And sometimes what composers will do, they'll either accent um, other notes that aren't really part of the triad. So they'll add maybe a D in there. So that's called an add two. So that gives you sort of that major chord sound but you know you have a little bit more jazziness in it or sometimes they'll just turn it into a major seventh um, and they'll add the seventh right below the root or add the four or add the six or it gives more color to the chords yeah different things a lot of you know jazz pianists do stuff like that but particularly that add two sound is something that you hear so much in conjunction with uh major sevenths and minor sevenths in Mm -hmm. a lot of this kind of video game music and it has that really dreamy floaty ethereal quality to it and i i've gotten so much of that in this ogre battle music it's really beautiful but particularly ogre battle 64 that would definitely be a really good descriptive word is dreamy uh so much of this music is actually quite a bit gentler than the previous soundtracks we'll get to that especially later on uh the, some of the last tracks we'll play are just very very delicate and beautiful well there's a lot of tracks that have to do with the world we just heard the world of today now we're going to move on to a track called the world for the people here we go You guys are listening to The World for the People from Ogre Battle 64, Person of Lordly Caliber. Now, I'm not sure how big of a game and soundtrack this is. I know people that like it, but I don't know how much support there is. Because for my money, I would love to hear some sort of Kickstarter project to actually orchestrate this music, uh, perform it with a real orchestra. There's just so much beautiful and expressive writing here that I think would sound wonderful with a real orchestra. I would really enjoy hearing that. Definitely. Yeah, as far as these sounds, though, I think they're pretty impressive for yeah. the N64. It Aren't sounds they? more like something you'd hear on the PS2 or GameCube. Sure. Particularly that oboe sample. Like, it, <laughs> it's not all that different from the East-West Symphonic Gold Library's uh, <laughs> oboe sound, which is maybe not the nicest thing to say about that sample library but sounds great for the end this track just goes uh it goes to a lot of places that you're not expecting when it starts gets a little more dark than than i was expecting and again it's one of those cool things where it's like uh this track is probably fitting uh a fairly broad type of a location where it doesn't need to like a movie every single second it's perfectly matching all the changes it's mostly you know a locational based track and that's what's so cool is that you can still have 
a lot of control as a composer. Like you can go, you can have a few different sections and each one of the sections is probably gonna match the location. And that's what's kind of nice about uh, being a video game composer is in some ways you have a little bit more freedom than you would as a film composer, but in other ways you have less freedom. So it's really just like a, a different type of freedom but it leads you to, to cool stuff. What I will say, though, is what is nice, I think with games, you know, a lot of these composers would never get the opportunity to work on films because movies are really expensive and creating orchestral scores is incredibly expensive just for paying for all those musicians, paying for a composer and an orchestrator and recording all of it. And a lot If you of these, do it for real, yeah. Well, and a lot of video game composers, they're, they were just sort of amateur musicians, not really classically trained that maybe well, started... Ooh, Matsu in a, a game great company. example. He wasn't or trained Koji at all. Or Koji Kondo even. I mean, mm-hmm. he he was never classically trained. He was just always interested in music and out of college Nintendo hired him with no demo tape. So it's like we got we got so many amazing composers that we never would have gotten if their only vehicle for creating music like this was through film. So I think True. games were such a great opportunity for sort of amateur or budding composers to really push themselves and try well, what's a cool more is that you style. hear really inventive techniques and really kind of experimental techniques that comes out of not being trained, you know, because sometimes when you're trained and if that's kind of driven into you, like these are the rules and this is how it's done, sometimes you're probably not going to try as many things as if, you know, when I think about when I was younger, when I didn't really know as much about music theory, you do try things that you don't really try nowadays. You kind of have this sense of freedom and exploration that sometimes can be terrible, but sometimes it can lead to really interesting things. So, well, I think the ultimate ultimate goal is to learn enough that you can kind of recapture some of yeah, those ideally. Uh, artistic freedoms, but still have a little bit more intention behind your decision making. Well, now we're going to move on to a wonderful track called Decisive, once again from Ogre Battle 64. This is beautiful. Here we go. Beautiful track. You guys are listening to Decisive, which is an Awada composition from Ogre Battle 64. This is a good time to catch up. You guys know, like we said up top, we're doing this remotely. So, Will, what's been going on with you so far? How have you been enjoying your second year? It's been really great. Uh, the weather up here, it's actually been quite hot. I know a oh, lot of people here are probably too. thinking northern really Minnesota, that's got to be the coldest place ever, but... I'm actually surprised at how hot it's been, and Duluth is notorious for being a very sort of windy city, um, and there's been very little wind, so I've been burning yeah, this a weekend here. Was, oh my gosh, it was just scorching. It was like 90, I think, on Saturday. Yeah, um, it got up to uh, 60 degrees, 50 and <laughs> 60 degrees up here. That's pretty hot. That's no, cool. no, it's been Has, have you, know, you been 80, Have you been jamming or doing a lot of music stuff so far, or not yet? I've been playing a lot of music uh getting new you know sheet music i started taking organ lessons which has been really fun so playing a lot of like broke era music and that's awesome um, playing through i have this uh super mario brothers and uh, legend of zelda sheet music book which just oh, has yeah. a, a selection of uh, themes from all the different games and so i've just been really playing a lot of that i've still been in sort of a koji kondo obsession um and i can't wait to play uh, super mario maker to hear some of his new tunes absolutely i can't wait for that game as well it comes out on friday if you're listening or actually if you're listening to this i think it already came out i believe <laughs> right yeah this will come up the monday after um, yeah, no, I, I actually just got a couple new um, plugins uh, this weekend, so I'm going to kind of dabble with those, some some various synth plugins and a couple more FM 
plugins. So virtual instruments. Virtual stuff. instrument cool. stuff. Um, also, I recently got my guitar set up. I, I bought an electric guitar, so I actually made a track that's kind of breaking that in. Um, so been having fun playing. Oh around yeah, with I, that. I checked out that tune you sent me, man. That was pretty cool stuff. Cool, cool, dude. Yeah. So that's about it for me. Um, I think it probably makes sense to move on to the next track. Let's see, what do we got? We still have some really great music to play from Ogre Battle 64. Uh, we're going to now move on to a track called Hopeful Future. This is a cool one. Listening to Hopeful Future from Ogre Battle 64. You know, I really love the stately British quality that this has. It really reminds <laughs> me of a piece by Algar or Von Williams. You know, it has that, it just sounds very English and sort of erudite and, oh, yes, welcome to Oxford. Yeah, I think you know, Owada really that kind of nailed that. That's exactly what he was going for. He did a great job of that. That's what you want for this track. I mean, I don't. Again, I don't know the use of it, but I'm assuming it's some sort of regal celebration of some kind. Right. Very regal. <laughs> it's wonderful, and it's a good change of pace because there's actually quite a bit of dark music um, in the particular section of the soundtrack that we were just kind of focusing on. There's a lot of kind of intense, darker stuff. So that's a nice change of pace. Well, this is really beautiful. This is a track called "The Funeral." This one again is a nice change of pace. Um, very slow. Very haunting. Very beautiful stuff. Let's take a listen to the funeral. One thing I really enjoy about the music to the series is because compositionally it's so authentic and it's very powerful, sometimes you forget that it's still like 55-second loop-based music, like most of the <laughs> tracks. This is only a 55-second loop, and it's a pure loop. Uh, but again, you don't really notice it because it's such a beautiful track. And again, you want to hear that theme again. You're yearning to hear that. So when it comes well, back, that's what you want. This track is great. It has Isn't that it? Uh, Hollywood romantic sound. It sounds like either a Bernard Herrmann or a Max Steiner. There's definitely some uh, jazziness in there for sure. Yeah, just some of that sort of tragic, tugging romance that I knew <laughs> you were going to so, love this you know, one. 30s and 40s. Uh, great. Mm, so beautiful. It really sounds like film music. Old, yeah. like film noir. I got to say that, you know, moving into the end of today's episode, every single track from here on out is so delicate and beautiful. And I think the peak of this soundtrack comes at the end. Um, this next track is a great example. We're getting to some of the most beautiful stuff. This is a track called Prayer.
Man, that's so beautiful. You guys are listening to Prayer from Ogre Battle 64. Man, Will, what are your thoughts on um, the use of the delay? You know, how it's just the, the same data, but it's copied onto another channel and then kind of slid over a little bit to the right. How do you think that works in this track? Well, because it's sort of this washy sound, <laughs> which is very effective. I, I think probably uh, they, they didn't really want it to have sort of an eh, yeah. Where this way it has this feels like this. So the, the loudest space. point of each note is not on the downbeat. It, it's not on the beat. Um, so mm-hmm. it it really sort of has this. I guess you could say it sort of sounds quasi performed um, to some degree, yeah. where the string player is sort of controlling the volume with the bow. I, I, I imagine they were trying to go for something like that, and you know, always delay creates a little bit more of a larger sound of a vast. Uh, reverberant sort of thing which I imagine with orchestral music like this <laughs> that's a good that's a common aim yeah. to achieve uh, sure. with you know sequence based stuff well guys I couldn't be more excited to move on to this week's track of the week coming in pretty close to the end of this playlist this is a wonderful piece of music called The Lingering Imagery and it was composed by Hayato Matsuo who like I said earlier composed some of my favorite music in this series and this to me really seems like the peak of authenticity, sophistication and really beauty uh, of this entire series. This is such a wonderful piece of music let's take a listen guys This really stops me in my tracks. Probably my personal favorite track from the series. You guys are listening to The Lingering Imagery from Ogre Battle 64, composed by Hayato Matsuo. I just want to keep listening to it. (laughs) (laughs) Will, uh, what are some things that jumped out at you about this track? A lot of shifting... There's a lot of shifting inner voices that uh, do a lot to to make the harmony feel a little bit less uh, keyboard <laughs> and mm-hmm. more authentic to sort of a string orchestra, which I really very much enjoy. And it also helps to lead to these sort of dense moments of dissonance and then resolution, dissonance and resolution. I mean, you can break all music down to dissonance and resolution, either in mm-hmm. sort of a, a linear way or as far as a moment to moment sort of uh, vertical kind of way. You know, one thing, I, I think one reason why this kind of music works on very kind of crappy hardware like the N64 like let's talk about really objectively the sounds kind of crappy it's like 90s general MIDI it's really not sounds you'd be happy with if you were a composer and you heard a demo like this you'd be like oh no I want to hear it with like real players but what, what, what makes this work is that when you have a song or a piece of music that is very authentic and all the parts are right in the pocket. For example, that solo cello line, it's a beautifully composed line and you know exactly that it's a cello as soon as you hear it. You kind of buy into the sounds and when you're kind of lost in the music, you kind of start to forget you know, maybe the shortcomings of the sound. You're just kind of embracing the music. And I think that's why this works is because it's such good music. It doesn't matter really what what the instruments sound like. They're just playing beautiful music. Well, I I think um, they did a wonderful job to create very compelling 
moments of harmony. I, there's a lot of dissonance and resolution was what I was getting at before, but it's created through the use of what are called suspensions, which uh, a suspension is mu- in music is essentially when you have a note that's held down and it's part of a chord, it's creating a, a consonant harmony, and then you move to another chord and that one voice remains the same and it has to resolve itself by a step down. Sure. So often in this piece of music, you heard those moments of yeah, yeah, a lot of sort of like shifting of the voices uh both up and both down but that's sort of a sophisticated happens a lot more in uh the 20th century when we would sort of expand our use of suspensions to sort of starting jumping to a dissonance and moving up and moving down just it it makes the harmony more dense and more interesting and it's kind of cool i would love to hear an interview with these three composers to to talk about how they implemented this on the n64 because i hear you know there's a lot of other orchestral stuff you here like ocarina of time mario 64 there's even some orchestral stuff but it's crazy how much better this sounds than some of the other soundtracks so i really would be curious to hear an interview with kind of their process and and kind of maybe some tricks that they found working on the n64 because we've heard before someone like grant kirkhope uh and and david wise like how limiting some of this uh technology can be even up to the gamecube it was an incredibly limiting place to be for as a composer in a lot of ways sure i i think the thing that uh does feel comfortable about this piece is that sound wise i i don't think um this one is all that different from something like ocarina of time and with ocarina of time even musically i i I do think you know we're used to hearing a lot of those harmonic techniques and Mm -hmm. i mean you mentioned before about the flat six flat seven kind of thing um very sort of beautiful uh chord moments you mean koji kondo is so famous for uh stuff like that and I, again, I particularly listening to this N64 Ogre Battle soundtrack, I, mm-hmm. I'm, I really feel confident that a lot of this music would feel so at home in the Zelda series. I, I More hmm. so with this soundtrack. It was funny. Um, the SNES Ogre Battle was really reminding me of, of Star Fox, but the N64 one feels a little bit more kind of contemplative, which makes me feel... Um, more reminded of the Zelda series. Well, what's funny is the PS2 entry will remind you of Mario. No, I'm just kidding. I don't think there is a, a PS2 entry. Uh, we're now going to move on to one of the last tracks of the day. This is a track called Alone. And as the title suggests, uh, kind of a tragic piece of music. Let's take a listen to Alone from Ogre Battle 64, Person of Lordly Caliber. <laughs> Guys, thanks so much for joining us as we took this really in-depth look at the music of the Ogre Battle series. Now, there's some other titles we didn't get to for the Game Boy Advance and a couple other systems, but really this is kind of the best stuff that we focused on today, primarily Ogre Battle 64. So much beautiful, emotional, really thoughtful writing by these gentlemen, so we had a great time sharing this music with all of you. Absolutely. Yeah, it's fun to sort of get back in the swing of things, even though it's sort of a shame to not be uh, in the same location. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe you guys have enjoyed or maybe you haven't. Uh, This whole past summer, Carl and I, for the last few months, have recorded every podcast episode together in the same room. Just like old times. And so we have to sort of get used to this new uh, virtual dynamic. It is very different. Dynamic. Yeah, hopefully, we, our hope is that you guys don't notice a difference as much. That would be great. Um, but for us, it's definitely a different process. One, yeah, I mean, quick... if we're talking over each other the entire time, you'll definitely <laughs> no, notice. Th- no, that's, that's always, that always happens. Uh, one thing I do want to say, um, I don't want anyone to turn this off yet because the playout track is called Afterwards, and I believe it's the credits piece, and it's so beautiful, and we're going to play all of it as the playout track. So definitely stick around and listen 
listen to all that before you turn this off. Hopefully you guys enjoyed last week that Marcato Radio installment focusing on Yak. So hopefully you guys enjoyed Yak's music. Very interesting stuff. Yeah, and guys, keep an eye out for uh, just everything Super Marcato Bros in the upcoming you know weeks and months to mm-hmm. come. We're looking to update and sort of redesign our website and everything and uh some exciting news uh the ex-host of top score emily reese uh she has started sort of a new project in a new sort of entertainment group called new June media yeah and so she's essentially bringing the show that she did on npr top score and sort of expanding on it yeah, she's and branching creating a out. new project and uh we were actually uh luckily enough to be featured on the first episode that she did so we're very grateful about that and we're probably gonna have a lot of collaborations between emily and us absolutely in uh, the near future so we're all really excited about that we yeah, a lot of cool things have been happening uh for our podcast lately yeah and i just want to give a shout out next week i want you guys to stay tuned to this podcast because next week we have the first in a two-part series of final fantasy music we're going to be featuring uh final fantasy one through three next week it's going to be an nes episode and the week after we're going to be doing four five and six all the great snes music so that's going to be a legendary series of episodes so stick around guys definitely that's going to be very exciting uh once again you can find every episode to this podcast and all of our original music at supermarcadobros.com you can follow us on twitter at marcado bros uh feel free to like us on facebook and subscribe to our youtube channel because uh we have a lot of our music there and a lot of cool uh excerpts from different uh interviews that we've done with game composers and other different little video projects there's a lot of neat trinkets because uh, we've mm-hmm. had that channel for a while and a lot of things that we maybe experimented with, you know, three or four years ago that... <laughs> kind of a nostalgic look back at some of those old stuff. And once again, thanks yeah, guys for, sure. for all the nice comments and emails and iTunes reviews. Keep that stuff coming. It really means a lot to us. You guys are a very supportive bunch and that's kind of the reason why we keep doing the podcast. Yeah, we've been getting a lot of... Uh, comments recently about people asking us to make more tribute albums which is <laughs> i'm in a weird place because it's weird because we kind of said we would like we we would be done with it but also it's like that's just sort of arbitrary so i mean hey if enough people really feel strongly about wanting this and and let us know that they will support uh that project maybe we'll consider doing another one um, that could be a fun idea down the road for for some sort of kickstarter slash patreon uh type of a Uh, project you know where we might actually be able to get some more support if it's something down the road sure i think it's just that those projects are really a lot of work but it's such a nice treat to hear that you guys are enjoying that stuff and to hear that there's a demand for more music so that's great to hear and we definitely are open to you know hopefully one day doing more projects so thanks again for your support it really helps us get through the days and weeks and we're excited to be back with this podcast and to bring you more great music every week Well, we're going to play you out with Afterwords. Once again, my name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, everyone. Peace out.
Thank you.